You are listening to ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. The ability to visualize and image the entire arterial wall represents a significant advantage over coronary angiography. In seemingly normal or minimal stenosis seen on angiography, IVIS often reveals surprisingly extensive and diffuse atherosclerosis. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill, and today we will talk about current and future uses of this exciting and eye-opening technology. We're joined today by Dr. Deepak Bhatt, Associate Director, Cardiovascular Coordinating Center at Cleveland Clinic. His specialty interests include interventional cardiology, coronary carotid and peripheral interventions, acute MIs, acute coronary syndromes, and antithrombotic medications. He has authored or co-authored more than 200 articles in leading medical journals, including the American Journal of Cardiology, Circulation, JAMA, Nature Reviews, and the New England Journal of Medicine. Welcome to the show, Dr. Bott. Thank you for having me. I was wondering if you could help us clarify or explain for our non-cardiologist listeners what exactly IVIS is. IVIS is an adjunctive imaging modality that is sometimes used during a cardiac catheterization. So, of course, a cardiac catheterization involves a procedure, a minimally invasive procedure, where a catheter, thin plastic-like tube, is threaded from a leg artery or an arm artery up towards the heart arteries, contrast eyes injected, x-ray pictures are taken, and that lets us know whether there are quote-unquote blockages in heart arteries. What an intravascular ultrasound does is go one step further, so not just injecting contrast down into the arteries and taking an x-ray picture, but instead threading a small 14 thousandths of an inch wire down a coronary artery, as one might do as a prelude to angioplasty or stenting, and taking down on that very small wire an ultrasound catheter inside the coronary artery to get a higher resolution picture. In a typical procedure, how long or how much extra time would it take to to do the IVIS? Well, it depends how many arteries are going to be imaged. Uh, In general, as uh, your audience would know, there are three major coronary arteries, the uh, left anterior descending artery, the left circumflex coronary artery, and the right coronary artery. To image each one would take probably 10 minutes or so. The uh, rate limiting steps probably more so the setup time that is bringing the machine in the room, uh, making sure that the ancillary staff in the room know how to work the machine. Uh, but uh, from an operator's perspective, it's relatively uh, quick and easy and uh, is something that can provide in the right circumstance valuable information. How are you currently using IVIS in research and your daily clinical practice? Well, right now, intravascular ultrasound has a much larger role from a research perspective than in daily clinical practice. There are some specific circumstances where an intravascular ultrasound can be very useful in clinical decision-making. For example, the left main coronary artery, a very important uh, part of the coronary circulation uh, can develop blockages, and these are typically life-threatening. And sometimes it can be a little bit ambiguous to determine whether there really is or is not a severe blockage of the left main coronary artery, or maybe is there a kink or a, a reverse taper to the artery. And in those situations where a regular conventional angiogram can be ambiguous, an intravascular ultrasound pretty clearly can say that there is or is not a significant amount of plaque. So that's an important decision because that could determine whether a patient is just treated medically or needs bypass surgery. Right. How often are you surprised when you look at an angiogram and then you thread this little camera through and you just see unbelievable disease that didn't show up on the angiogram? You know, that happens all the time. It's really quite sobering. Even people where the angiogram looks pretty good and 
they have coronary arteries that uh, probably five or ten years ago we would have said, oh, you've got normal coronary arteries, you know, you're bulletproof. As it turns out, most of those folks, if they've got risk factors, which of course, most people showing up for cardiac catheterization will have some risk factor, whether it's age or, or things like high blood pressure or smoking or cholesterol or things like that. The uh, intravascular ultrasound almost invariably shows plaque to be present, and in some cases, uh, very large amounts of plaque, even where the coronary angiogram looks pristine. So what do we do about that in the, in the real world when we're doing caths on people and not able to do IVIS? Aren't we giving a false sense of security? You know, that's a great question. First of all, even though what I just said about IVIS showing more plaque than is detected on angina, that's definitely true. I, I, I wouldn't want to um, just endorse a routine use of intravascular ultrasound just to take a look uh, because, you know, it is an invasive procedure and the risk of complications is extremely small, but every now and then a complication can occur from passing a wire down a coronary artery, much like a complication can occur with angioplasty or stenting, though IVIS is much safer than, than even angioplasty and stenting, which is pretty safe in itself. So I wouldn't just recommend, you know, an invasive test for everybody just, just to see, um, you know, how much plaque they might have. But you're right, um, you know, I, I've moved away from using that term normal coronary arteries based on angiography due to the observations from IVIS. In fact, somebody that has a normal angiogram may still have plaque that it's hidden from view unless someone did an IVUS, but they're really a procedure wouldn't be useful for them. The key there is risk factor modification and appropriate treatment of risk factors with medical therapy. So the presence or absence of plaque on an IVUS wouldn't really change the management paradigm. So it, it's important to know that a normal angiogram doesn't mean that coronary artery disease doesn't exist. Now, I, I understand obviously the risks of doing an angiogram and or angioplasty or any sort of invasive procedure, but is there anything specific to IVIS that has a complication rate in addition to these procedures? No, not at all. I mean, as I said, the risks are less than with a conventional angioplasty stent-type procedure. The primary risks are of passing a wire down a coronary artery, and if there's a lot of plaque present, you know, there's a chance of lifting up a plaque with the wire and, and causing a myocardial infarction during the procedure, as can happen with angioplasty stent procedures. But in the context of IVUS, that's extremely infrequent. You're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Caskell, and I'm with Dr. Deepak Bhatt discussing IVUS and its current uses. Dr. Bhatt, what have we learned, or what have you learned? from IVIS about the natural history of atherosclerosis? Well, I think the most exciting thing, the most exciting insight that IVIS has provided is one actually made by uh, my colleague here, Dr. Steve Nissen at the Cleveland Clinic, is that, in fact, plaque is not immutable. For many years, cardiologists and vascular biologists thought that once you had plaque, it was going to be there forever, and in fact, it would just keep getting worse until it plugged up an artery and you dropped dead. But even though that makes sense and intuitively is perhaps what a lot of us still kind of think and patients in particular think that clogging up the pipe theory isn't entirely accurate. I mean, there's still some truth to it. But in fact, it turns out uh, that plaque can be reversed with, for example, very aggressive cholesterol reduction in certain individuals. In certain other individuals, even with aggressive contemporary cholesterol reduction, plaque continues to progress. But just the fact that in some people, in the right circumstances, plaque can be halted, plaque progression can be halted, and even reversed, really changes the way that we think about coronary artery disease. And those are insights provided by 
IVIS. So prior to IVIS, really, we we never knew of significant effects on the actual atheroma. That's correct. Uh, using angiography to detect really subtle changes in atheroma, either increases or regression, just isn't possible. Angiography is terrific, but it doesn't have sufficient resolution to see the sort of changes that being, say, on a high-dose statin for a couple of years might induce. So intravascular ultrasound just gives greater precision to our ability to detect regression or progression of plaque. I'm wondering if I speak to you in 10 years from now, if you would still say angiography is fantastic. (laughs) Well, you know, I think it's still the gold standard for detecting coronary artery disease clinically. You know, intravascular ultrasound is useful, though much of what I've mentioned thus far really is still in the research realm, not just for everyday use. So if you're lucky enough to have a heart attack in Cleveland and you get to go to your center, what are you seeing with IVIS in patients with acute coronary syndromes? Well, that's a very interesting question. First of all, again, uh, and not to mislead any listeners, I wouldn't routinely do an intravascular ultrasound just because someone came in with an acute myocardial infarction or an acute coronary syndrome. But in those cases where IVIS is done for research purposes or for that specific clinical scenario, if something is ambiguous from the angiogram, uh, very often we can see a ruptured plaque. So in vivo evidence of plaque rupture, where we can see the fibrous cap of the plaque has been lifted up and uh, there's a loosened and, you know, that's confirmation of the pathophysiology of acute coronary syndromes, but getting it in real time in vivo is actually pretty exciting. I can imagine. In addition to that culprit lesion, are you often surprised finding other lesions in the arterial tree that have also ruptured? You've really done your homework on IVIS. I mean, that's a terrific question. And one of the insights that intravascular ultrasound studies has provided in the past few years is that people that come in with an acute coronary syndrome, say an inferior myocardial infarction, culprit lesion in the mid-right coronary artery, interestingly, also have ruptured plaques in other spots in that same artery and their other two coronary arteries. So plaque rupture, even though for years we thought it was just in one place and one time, uh, is actually uh, occurring all over the place at multiple different points in time in patients that are predisposed. So that really... um, is interesting science, but the the practical ramification that a clinician means that even if we come in and stent that mid-right coronary artery that's causing that inferior MI on that particular day, that patient remains vulnerable for future events that stenting or bypass surgery wouldn't take care of because of all this plaque in their other arteries. So eventually, it would be nice if we could come up with a stent that does the entire arterial tree of the heart. There actually are prominent people that have suggested that concept of plaque sealing, taking plaque that is vulnerable to rupture or has some high-risk feature and covering it over with a stent, pacifying the artery mechanically. Uh, But that remains an intriguing, uh, though entirely theoretical concept. Right. I think your colleague, Dr. Nissen, is more a fan of medical therapy to stabilize the vascular tree with trying to prevent the vulnerable plaque from bursting with usage of statins and appropriate blood pressure lowering, perhaps fish oil and aspirin. Yeah, systemic therapy makes much more sense for a systemic problem. Are you in Cleveland doing anything with transplant patients and the use of IVIS? Absolutely. That was one of the early and popular uses of IVIS, at least in transplant centers, because it turns out IVIS is a powerful tool for predicting future risk in patients with prior cardiac transplantations. As you know, 
vasculopathy is often what kills patients who've had cardiac transplants. So a patient's had a successful cardiac transplant, you know, assuming they get through the first year, no bad infections from the immunosuppressive therapy. What ultimately does them in down the road is progressive, aggressive transplant vasculopathy, where there are coronary arteries just narrow, diffusely, not really great targets for stenting, not great targets for bypass surgery, and that really can be a problem compounded by the fact that many of these people don't experience angina because their coronary arteries have been denervated. Sometimes they re-enervate and some do experience angina, but many don't have an early warning system with angina, so they've got really bad diffuse coronary artery disease and, and nothing to tell them, you know, hey, I better stop exercising or, or running to catch the bus or whatever. So uh, a really bad problem, but intravascular ultrasound, even say at the first year on a, on a follow-up visit, uh, is able to detect uh, subtle degrees of transplant vasculopathy and based on how much is present at that point in time can predict what that patient's prognosis might be. Well, I want to thank our guest, Dr. Deepak Bhatt. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, and you have been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.